Today we're going to continue our sermon series called Work is Worship. And when I was a kid in elementary school, I had this kid in my life named Chris who was, he was just so competitive. He was always challenging me. And uh, every day at recess, he would be captain of one team. I'd be captain of the other. We'd pick our teams. We'd go out. He was always the quarterback of his team. I was always a quarterback of my team. And he was better than me. However, he was so competitive, even if I did beat him, he wouldn't admit it. He'd always have a reason to challenge the touchdown, to call it back, to not, not, not recognize it, not declare it. So even if I was better than him, if I was better than him by one touchdown, I had to learn to be better than him by two touchdowns because he wasn't going to recognize that one. And if I got better than him two touchdowns, I had to get better than him by three touchdowns because he'd always have a reason. But he made up for it by inviting me over. His father bought the WrestleManias, and he'd invite me over to watch us. So we were frenemies. It was good. But Chris was always challenging. We had a rivalry. And then I grew up, and one day I went to the gym. I hadn't seen this guy in 20 years. I went to the gym, and there he was. And he was just huge. And I was like, well, I know what you've been doing. I walked in, hey, how are you doing, Chris? And I, we, were t- we were talking with each other, and he owns his own gym, and he came to that gym just to work out to get away from his clients, right, so he could just come and focus and work out himself. And we were talking and we got, we're catching up and what have you been up to and things like that. And I, I was, oh, I should friend you on Facebook. So I went on his Facebook page and I friended him. And the man owns his own gym and he is still challenging people. He's still super competitive. He's still, he's in the perfect job for him. He's a personal trainer and he posts things, uh, in, you know, motivational exercise things on his Facebook page to motivate the people he trains. And one of the things that he finds and he puts all these posts to this to this measure is there's a lot of guys who want to go out and work at the gym to get big biceps and things like that, and they never want to work out their legs. And it's a, it's a thing. So they call it leg day, and they, they said they got this theme, friends don't let friends skip leg day. And he posted this on his page. I thought it was hilarious. This is Hugh Jackman, and he's training for the role of Wolverine. I mean, look at that guy's arms. They're huge. And then you look at his legs. <laughs> X-Men don't let other X-Men skip leg day is the theme. And he's, my, my friend Chris is always posting this to challenge the people to make sure that they're getting, he's getting the most out of them and that they're getting the most out of themselves. The guy's in the perfect position for himself. Friends don't let friends skip leg day. And if you skip leg day, you're overlooking a big part of your training and conditioning. If you skip leg day, your physical development is hindered. Our bodies reflect the work that we do. And these guys are not working on their legs. Our work forms our body. And it's not just the work in the gym. It's our work in our job. Our work forms our bodies. Our body starts reflecting what we do at work. When I graduated from college, I was in great shape. I, I love to play intramural basketball. I got out and I was doing half marathons and things like that. I was doing, even though I can't swim, uh, I really enjoyed the other two parts of it. And I'd sign up for these like, you know, half triathlons and things. It was, it was great. I was in great shape. When I graduated college, I got two desk jobs in a row. And it wasn't long before I couldn't walk up and down the stairs without getting winded. And I had to go out of my way to try to get in shape again because work starts to form our bodies. I got incredibly fast at typing, and I got incredibly bad at running. And it was about this time that I needed uh, some help on my house, 
And we had a burst pipe and some issues, and we needed somebody to come and help us rip all of the plywood down from underneath of uh, part of our house, take out all the insulation, repair all the damaged stuff. And I called a friend of mine from middle school who was a handyman. He came over, and he helped me do all that. And I watched this guy. As I was sitting there thinking about all this, I was sitting there thinking about how I need to start training uh, because I sit at a desk job all day. I'm watching this guy who spends his life with a hammer And he was the Michelangelo of a hammer. And you think I mean the painter, but no, I mean the Ninja Turtle. This guy was like watching him take out the Foot Clan. He was like the Donatello of demolition. He's just, I mean, that was unbelievable. Two by fours and plywood and insulation was just flying all over the place. And I was like, this guy is incredibly good at what he does. And his work formed his body and my work formed mine and work forms yours. And it just doesn't form your body. Work forms us spiritually too. Work influences the person we are and the person we're becoming. And when you think about it, God wants us to be molded into the image of Jesus Christ. And we spend almost the majority of our time, our waking time at work. Why wouldn't God want to use our work to form us? Maybe we forget that work is spiritual because it is so physical. And maybe we forget that work is spiritual because it is so secular. Might be an odd thought that our work is a spiritual activity, but just like our bodies are developed at work, our spirits are developed and shaped and grown at work too. Too often we've been talking in this sermon series about how we look for how God is trying to develop us in our church life. And we just leave out the idea that God is trying to develop us in our work life. And churches contribute to this. We come in and we've got our own things on our mind, right? I'm like, we need, you know, pastors, I think, we need more small group leaders for our small groups to really be doing all that they can do and, and discipling people. We need our small group leaders to make sure they're coming to more, more trainings. We need our, our worship night on a Friday night where people can just come and worship the Lord and be more free than on a Sunday morning. We need Bible studies where we can go deeper. We need leaders to do this. We need more help. And we'll come and we'll talk about all of those things and about how they're important for the church and its mission and how they're important for you and your spiritual growth. But so few times do we come in and say, guys, what is God doing Monday through Friday that he's trying to get you and your spirit and mold your spirit on? How is God working in your job? Our jobs are not Satan's distractions to keep us from what's really important. Our jobs are given to us by God with a purpose. And what is that purpose? What is that purpose big picture? What is that purpose small picture for you as an individual? And God wants to grow us spiritually. And if we serve in the church and we love the Lord and we hate our job, often our spirits will start developing like this. God wants to exercise our spirits every day of the week, not just on the day of rest on the moments before work while we drive in and pray in the car, on the moments before bed where we say a prayer before our head hits the pillow, God wants to exercise our spirits every day of the week. We worship God every day and not just on Sundays. We've been talking about work is worship because in the Jewish culture, they had a word that they used for both. The same word that was used for the priest as he went to serve in the temple was used for the slave as he made bricks in Egypt. Our work is a way to worship God. There's certainly more to worship than work, but there's not less. 
And we're at work 40 hours a week. Our bodies start reflecting what they do and our spirits will start reflecting what we do at work as well. It's at work that we will either grow in patience or impatience, at anger or in kindness, at generosity or in selfishness, in bravery or in cowardice. Our spirits will begin to reflect what we do at work. And God has got a plan to use our work to grow us spiritually. Randy Savage, macho man Randy Savage, when he was training a younger wrestler, the wrestler asked, as they traveled together on the road from town to town, going to wrestle in town after town, the younger wrestler and Randy Savage would go to work out at different gyms. The younger wrestler asked Randy Savage, he goes, why? Why do we never work out our legs? And Randy Savage goes, oh, it's an upper body business, brother. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Hugh Jackman didn't need to have to work out his legs. They could always keep the camera above his waist. They could always CGI it. This kind of stuff is fine for fake fighting. But we are in a real battle. This is not a joke. Our lives are important. There is good and there is evil. And we're involved in that every day. And it's fine to be physically hindered. If you're fake fighting, you can overcome it. But we're in a real fight. And we need to be looking at what God wants to do in our lives at all times and in all ways. We've always got to have our head on a swivel and see where Satan is coming against us and where God wants to work. And that definitely includes being formed at our place of work Monday through Friday. Think about this. When you go to church, we have you for so little time. I wish I could have a six-hour church service because that's how important this is. We should have six, we should have longer times together because this is the most important thing that we do is follow the Lord. That is the most important thing that we do. We have you for so little. All we have time to really do is try to train you and encourage you and then send you back out. And you get here and we do as much as we can else and it's time to go again. And you're back out. At church, primarily what you do, we do give you opportunities to be a disciple, right? We have opportunities to serve at the food pantry, to serve here, to serve there, to do these different things. But for the most part, what we do at church is we train you to be a disciple. But where do you actually get a chance to be a disciple? Where are you for the most of your time? It's with your families. But maybe even more so, it's at work. Our work can seem separated from God, but really it's our primary opportunity to take what God is doing in our life and put it into action. Our work might be our primary place to be a disciple. Your opportunity is to glorify God at church. How many hours a week do you spend at church and in church things? Your opportunity is to glorify God in your family, in your neighborhood. How many hours do you spend there? And then think about the number of hours you spend at work and the number of opportunities you have to glorify God in your place of work. There are so many ways to exercise what we learn about on a Sunday morning. And if your work feels like you're separated from God, it's probably because you haven't focused on how you need to bring him glory there. Your workplace is where you can choose to follow Christ and be a witness or to ignore following Christ and begin spiritual decay. Think about this. We don't ask this question enough, but if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you will know where he's leading you. And when you ask yourself, where is God leading me? Every person who's following Jesus Christ should have an immediate answer. 
There's plenty of times where I don't. And I have to get back on track. Well, wait a minute. What is God doing in my life? And ask yourself this. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, and work is your primary place to follow him because that's where you are most of the time, where is he leading you there? What opportunities or challenges right now is Satan coming against you and does the Lord want you to overcome by following him? How is your work forming you? How is God trying to develop your spirit at work? What specific thing is he asking you to overcome? What specific character, what specific spiritual character is he looking to develop in you? What relationship is he looking for you to develop so that you can bless another person? How is God calling you to sacrifice, to put your neck on the line for him at your job? Christians, we often miss out on how God is trying to lead us at work because we love God and we hate our job. And we can't just wait to get out of that job away from it. So we can go back and we can be free from the oppressive spiritual atmosphere and go back with other believers, go back and worship, go back and read his word. And we'll often ignore what God wants to do in our lives. Today we're going to look at a scripture that often is read but not often applied to work as most scriptures are interestingly rarely applied to work as we read them and talk about them. We're going to turn to Romans chapter 5. If you have your Bibles, please fit with me to Romans 5. Starting in verse 3. Verse 3 says, Not only that, but we rejoice in our many blessings from God. All of the gifts that God... Wait, that's not what it says. It says, not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings. Now, there are actually people out there who are sadists. You might know some of them. They hate everything. They hate themselves. They just want to bring constant suffering into every situation. They rejoice. They love it. They love the drama. They love to break things up. They love to divide They love it when people are miserable. Is that what the Lord is calling us to? Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings. What kind of person rejoices in their sufferings? Well, there's two types of people that rejoice in their sufferings. There's sadists. And interestingly enough, there's Christians. We have something in common. You might not have known that. Not only that, we rejoice in our sufferings. Why? Why? Why would anyone rejoice in their suffering? Well, Apostle Paul is going to tell us. He's going to say, we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance. Think about the place you suffer most in life. It's probably your job. God's got a plan for that. It's not an obstacle. It's an opportunity. Your suffering at work is an opportunity. Our suffering in life is an opportunity. God wants us to build endurance because we've got a purpose. We're taking part in this battle of good versus evil. God wants strong warriors. And so he allows us to encounter these obstacles so that we'll grow. We don't want suffering. We want blessings. I know I do. God, give me blessings. If you ask people, what, when did you grow the most in your life? They'll never say the time where everything was just fine. It's always something that they, Satan brought in their life that they had to overcome. It's training. 
We want God's blessings. But God allows Satan to bring these obstacles into our lives to train us. We're so concerned about what we have. When I sit there and I pray, it's mostly about what I have. God, do I have the promotion? Do I have the office? Do I have the the thing? Do I have the money? Do I have the health? Do I have whatever? And God's looking down. He's more concerned than more. And what we have is concerning God. He cares. But more concerning about what we have to God is who he has. Who do I have down there? I've got this world that's in rebellion against me. And half the people down there just care about how much money they have. Who do I have? I need someone who's stronger. And so God allows Satan to bring these into our lives because God is good. He knows what he's doing. And he's got a plan to develop us through these things. Suffering produces endurance. That's the first step. We suffer and we, produce, we learn to endure we endure suffering and difficulties and they tough us, toughen us up so we don't wilt in the face of evil. We develop endurance because we've experienced something before and now we're experiencing something else and we got through the last time and so we know that we'll be able to get through this time and it brings us endurance. And don't you develop endurance at work? Endurance of all sorts. Endurance with difficult relationships. Endurance with discouragement. Endurance with challenges on your morality. Endurance with all sorts of things that you experience. And then you gain something from it. And then you can attack it more the next time around. I remember when I started in ministry. I had to make decisions which made people upset. I didn't get into ministry to make people upset. I got into ministry to encourage them in the Lord. I realized also I, I got to stand up to these people because they don't know what they're doing and they bring their evil messages from the world into the church. And I realized I can't just, I can't just encourage them. I've got to take the staff and I've got to smack them between the eyes. We went on a mission trip and we go on these mission trips and they're phenomenal. It was amazing. And then we did an outreach trip, more of an outreach trip where it wasn't so much service and it was more entertainment. We said, bring your friends. This is a great chance. Bring them on this trip. Then we'll bring them on the mission trip next time, right? Christianity light. Invite them to something that's, you know, kind of Christian and then we'll get them to come to something that's really Christian later. That's terrible strategy. Terrible strategy. Just introduce them to the Lord right away. He's good. Anyway, we did this thing, and it was, I'll never do it again. We got all of these people who weren't interested in the Lord, and then not only did our people, they invite them, they bring them back, but then our people were influenced by them the other way around and started acting like them. We had a situation on the trip. We'd always take away people's cell phones. Why? Because we're there to focus on the Lord. We try to take away these unbelievers' cell phones. No, I can't give up my phone. What are you talking about? I had parents calling me left and right. The girls showed up. I mean, this is when, it's like a parody, right? People were a parody of ourselves. Like 10 years ago, this, or well, I should say 20 years ago, because this was 10 years ago now. 20 years ago, this literally would have been a parody. They, the shorts were so short. You know, how short can they get? 
right? Are the pockets going to start showing? Through? They started making shorts for girls where the pockets are so short, the pockets hang out. It's ridiculous. It's a joke. It has to be a joke, right? No, this is what they're actually doing. And so they show up, all these girls, and our girls, instead of pushing back on them and saying, no, here's what we're going to do, our girls bought them and came with them also. And they showed up and said, none of these things are going on a trip. We don't have a single pair of shorts that's shorter than your fingertips. And oh my goodness, the moms, you'd think the moms would be on board. No, the moms are nuts. The moms were the ones who wanted him to wear it. It's like, what are you doing? You haven't you learned anything. And I sat there and I realized, I need to make all of these people seriously mad at me if I'm going to follow the Lord. It was miserable. It was absolutely miserable. But you know what the Lord did? The Lord was forming my character. Endurance produces character. Strength of character that is tested and proven. God wants to develop you at work. He's going to do it through challenging you. He's going to do it through your suffering. Suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character. I got through that. Last time... I had to tick people off. You know what? It was terrible, but I got through it. And now I can do it better this time with less fear, more genuine goodwill for people. I know they're not going to be able to sink the ship. God has got this thing. The next time I go through it, my character is stronger. You have an opportunity to develop your character at work. Suffering produces endurance. Endurance produces character. How is God looking at how is God looking at increasing and developing your character at work? And finally, character produces hope. You know, Satan, he's only got the same five or six things that he does over and over and over. You start to recognize him, you endure through them, develops your character, you're better able to fight him next time. I remember the first time I had somebody going around upset at me, gossiping about, oh, the pastor says this, the pastor says that. Freaked out, oh my goodness, oh, people are going to believe and they're going to think, hey, what do I do, what do I do? I've been through that so many times. It's like Satan brings it again. It's like suffering produces character. I know what to do now. God got me through last time. He's going to get me through this time. I don't fear. I don't doubt. I don't repay evil for evil. I don't join in. You'll never hear my side of the story. You'll never hear a bad word out of my mouth. In fact, now when Satan brings it, I love it because I've got character and I've got faith and that produces hope. Hope. Oh, look at what's going on here. It's happening again. Well, you know what? I know what the Lord did last time. I hope he's going to do it this time too. God is, Satan brings an obstacle, but I see it now as an opportunity. Look at that. I've learned to trust. I've learned to trust the Lord. How many of you at work are sitting there with somebody who's talking about you? The job you did. It's probably because they didn't do a part of their job. And they're out to try to do damage control by being proactive and spreading the blame onto you. If you've heard half of the story, you've heard none of the story. Have you suffered that way before? Has God produced endurance? Has he produced his character? He's going to be with you. He's going to make sure that it's going to be all right. It might not be easy. It might not feel good. But God has got an opportunity for you to fight in this battle. That's exciting. 
You know what Paul was talking about? Well, we could be sad about our nation turning away from the Lord, or we could view it as an opportunity. What other time would you want to be a Christian and live? Look at how Satan's got people in our culture so confused. They don't know up, down. They don't know black and white. They don't know male from female. They don't know nothing. And we have got a treasure. It stands out, shines like a light in the darkness. Wouldn't you rather live at this pivotal moment than almost any other moment in history? God's got a plan. And through that suffering, he produces endurance and character and hope. There's an opportunity for you to fight in this battle. And the Lord wants you to be a strong warrior who's going to stand up for him and not just get through it. Endurance is one thing. Character is another. You don't just get through it. You get through it following the Lord. And then when you get through it following the Lord, you see what God does. And then you don't see setbacks as so much of obstacles, but as opportunity of hope about how God is going to change our world. And what are some of the ways that God is looking for you to be formed? Friends don't let friends skip leg day. And pastors should not let their congregations skip six days of what God wants to do in their hearts. How does God want you to be transformed by work? Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. That's what God wants from us. How do we do that? Does God want you to learn to meditate on his word, to overcome that spiritual desert of work? Does God want you to learn how to endure and persevere when he feels, when it feels like everything is absent in environments that are not filled with his presence in other believers? Psalms 119, 15 says, I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. You want to be trained. You want to be formed to be strong. You want to be someone who transforms your space rather than someone who is transformed by your space. Meditate on the word and go to work. Because God's got an opportunity for you there. Do you have a problem being selfish? Acts chapter 20 talks about problems being selfish. If you got a problem being selfish, the answer is to read the word and go to work. Starting in chapter 20, verse 33, the Apostle Paul says, I coveted no one's silver or apparel. You yourselves know that these hands ministered to my necessities, his own hands ministered to my necessities and to those who were with me. In all things, I have shown you that by working hard in this way, we must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Are you someone who focuses on yourself? Is your job all about you? How much am I being compensated? What is my job description? You got a problem being selfish and the answer is to read the word and get to work. Paul points out that he wasn't selfish or greedy at work, but not only did he work to meet his own needs, but he worked to meet the needs of those around him. Are you selfish or greedy? Have you never thought at work about going above and beyond? Not just accomplishing your task, but doing it and doing it so well that you reach out and ask somebody else if you can help them with their task. That's what Christians are supposed to be doing. If we are selfish or greedy, work will fix that quick. Paul lets us know that it's by his work that he was formed in this way. Is God trying to grow your spirit to be more generous? Go to work. 
are having a problem with honesty. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 22. Paul, say, <clears throat> Paul says, put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God and true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor for we are members of one another. Paul says, be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down in your anger. Give no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. How often do you have a temptation to lie to cover your back? Isn't that what many conflicts at work are about? I didn't do what I needed to do, so they did something that they shouldn't do. And I'm going to get busted. So I'm going around, going to go tell everybody how they didn't do what they should have done. The problems with them. Blame, blame, blame. That's not leadership. God calls us to be honest. You know, I should have done this. The problem that we're having is because I should have done this. Good leaders take responsibility, not only for themselves, but for others. When your boss comes to you and says, what went wrong? Don't blame it on somebody else. Say, I could have done this to fix it. Here's the problem. Here's what happened. And I should have done more. If you're a supervisor, I should have trained them better. Be honest. Don't try to deceit to save yourself. I should have trained them better. If you're a supervisor, if you're a coworker, say, you know what, this went wrong, but I should step up and I'll make sure that we get it done next time. If you've got a problem with honesty, if you've got a problem with selfishness, if you've got a problem with deceit, giving half of the story so that you look good, go to work. God wants to fix that. Do you have a problem with patience? Go to work. Colossians 3.12 says, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. As you deal with difficult customers, what do you think God wants to do in you? What do you think the purpose is of that? Why is he allowing that? God wants a patient person where you're at. He's got a plan for a patient person. And so he's looking to make one out of you. You've got a problem with patience, go to work. You've got a problem forgiving people, go to work. Colossians 3.13 says, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, <laughs> how often does that happen at work? Constantly complaining, you people. If you want to learn to forgive, if you want patience, then go to work. God's got a plan for someone who can stand in the face of that kind of negativity, of that kind of complaining, someone who can take the best situation and turn it into the worst. God wants somebody to stand up to that person and learn to love them and forgive them and disciple them. And he's got a plan for you to do it. That's why you're experiencing it. You've got a problem forgiving. You've got a problem showing grace. Go to work. Forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. Do you have a problem with pride? Ephesians chapter 6, 5. Bond servants, obey your earthly masters with fear and trembling, with a sincere heart as you would Christ, 
If you've got a problem with pride, go to work. Get bossed around. That'll take care of that. I've had so many jobs where I've been bossed around. <laughs> Such a prideful person. Like anyone coming out of their, you know, coming out of high school, prideful young man, going to work. I had to learn humility. I had jobs where I repackaged exploded pop cans. There'd be mold growing all over them. Next time, it'll, you'll never look at a can of pop the same way again. A can will explode. It'll sit there for months and months until somebody has the time to ship it to the place where they repackage pop cans. And then someone like me will sit there and dig the mold out of the top of the can and wash it off and put it back in a brand new box. That pop can ain't brand new. (laughs) But you'd never know. (laughs) Because of me, that's what I did. I'm going to college to try to be someone successful and important, and instead God's got me picking mold out of the rim of pop cans. Everyone should go to work in a box factory. I've worked in so many box factories. I can't, I've, worked, I've worked in distribution centers. I've worked in assembly. We had one job where, where we, we glued multi-meal displays, and they'd stand in the, in the grocery store, and you'd open them up. They'd get shipped flat, and you'd open them up, and there'd be two kids eating a bowl of cereal and a coupon thing right there. And I spent my entire summer gluing multi-meal displays. You needed to fill six pallets of those every day as your quota. No one had ever filled six pallets before in the, in the history of the company. And every day, the supervisor would come by and say, how many did you do? Four and a half? Not good enough. Every day, if you want to sit there and be humbled, go to work. <laughs> every Every day I got told we weren't doing good enough. My friend Pat and I said, this is just ridiculous. It's like, this is just a joke. We're, we're, we're getting sick. And so we got there early. We worked through our breaks. We worked through lunch. We stayed late. We got eight pallets done. Nobody had ever done more than like five. The supervisor walks back. How many did you do? Eight. She looks at it. She, one of them pops up and she's not good enough. <laughs> you went too fast. <laughs> If you've got a problem with pride, go to work and get bossed around. And if you can learn to submit to that kind of authority, that kind of imperfect authority, then you'll have no problem submitting to the perfect authority of Jesus Christ, who's perfect in all of his ways. If you've got a problem telling others about Jesus, go to work. How many people at your work know the Lord? If we love God but hate our job, and we don't take time to learn the lessons that God teaches us at work, then we'll end up looking like this. And that's not going to get us through a real fight. And we need our daily devotions. We need our small groups. We need our worship service. We need our Bibles. We need our hymns. We need our six days of work. Let's pray.